Welcome to Talking Facts, what you need to know about family, food, finance, and fitness. This nationally recognized, award-winning podcast is hosted by the University of Kentucky Family and Consumer Sciences Extension Program. Our educators share research knowledge with individuals, families, and communities to improve quality of life. Hello, and welcome to Talking Facts. I'm your host, Mindy McCulley, Family and Consumer Sciences Extension Specialist for Instructional Support at the University of Kentucky. My guest today is Dr. Natalie Jones, Extension Specialist for Family Health. Welcome, Natalie. Thanks for having me. So we are going to be talking about social determinants of health today. And we hear about that in the media a lot and on the news. And these are conditions in the environment where we live, learn, work, and play. That's right. So these conditions affect a a broad range of health outcomes from contracting a disease to dying at a young age. They are why some of us are healthier than others and why Kentuckians specifically are generally not as healthy as they could be. So we're going to break down the five main categories of social determinants of health and talk about how they have a major impact on people's health, well-being, and quality of life. So exactly let's right. just dive right into it. Yeah. So like you said, the social determinants of health are conditions, and they are the environment where people are born, where they live, where you're learning, where you go to work where you play, where you worship, and where you age. And these conditions affect everyone's ability to be as healthy as they can be, their outcomes, and their different risks for diseases. So when we talk about health, a lot of us tend to focus on chronic disease or illness or even lifestyle behaviors such as nutrition, physical activity, you know, smoking, drinking, all of that. But we don't necessarily think about the circumstances that we are in, right? So our economic stability, our safety, access to food and education, um, even safe safety, right? Or affordable housing. All of these are our social determinants of health and they truly impact all of our choices leading to those chronic diseases and illnesses and lifestyle factors. And I'm guessing some of these are things that we have no control over. Like you said, where we're born or you know, where we might live, especially for children, we don't have any control over where we live. So you said um, that they're organized into key domains, economic stability, education, health and healthcare, neighborhood and the built environment, and then social and community context. So can we break each of these down with some definitions and examples? Yeah, yeah. So economic stability refers to, you know, poverty, um, your employment status, food insecurity, as well as housing instability. And so just to let everyone know kind of where we are, right? In the U.S., one in 10 people are living in poverty. So this means that many, many people cannot afford healthy food, healthcare, or even adequate housing, and that people with steady jobs, as we can think of, right, are more likely to be able to afford those things. They have access to healthy food, they have health care, and they have proper housing. But then there are also people, right, who struggle to find or keep a job. Some people live with an illness, disability, or a lasting condition that hinders their work. And so people who are working or not working may not be able to afford the things that they need to stay healthy. So 
Ultimately, the stress of poverty can then affect a youth's brain development, making it harder for them to do well in school. So there's just a lot of different outcomes that can come from economic stability, whether you have economic stability or you don't have economic stability. Well, and also a child who is hungry can't focus in school. So if your belly's rumbling, it's really, really hard to pay attention um, to to what's being said in in the classroom. So it's just another, another situation. So how can we help people get a job or hold a job and earn steady incomes that will allow them to, to meet their health needs? Yeah, so I think a lot of things that we've seen, even throughout Extension and different programming that's been available is career counseling or employment programs, even little things. We've talked about youth and kids, right? So even childcare can help people find job and keep a job, right? When the parents don't have to worry about where their kids are or who's going to watch their kids or how the hours will work, if they can have childcare, um, access to adequate childcare, that can help people keep a job. And then there are also various policies that help people, you know, pay for food and healthcare. Again, education and housing are also really necessary for improving the health and overall well-being of Kentuckians, of Americans. And so that's just, I'm going to kind of lead us into number two, right? Which is education. So access to quality education is really, really important. So this includes educational resources such as early childhood education, making sure that we have up-to-date learning materials and books, even the student-teacher ratio, making sure that that's appropriate. And then that can lead to educational outcomes, right? So being able to graduate from high school, enrolling in higher education, so that could be going to college or going to a trade school, and then just having those language skills and literacy. So we have a lot of people who aren't able to be literate. And so the bottom line that we know is that people with higher levels of education tend to be healthier and then they tend to live longer. So again, we'll kind of go back to the youth scenario. We know that children who come from low-income families, children living with disabilities, and children who are socially discriminated against, whether that be through bullying or anything like that, they Mm -hmm. tend to struggle more in school, right? Especially in math and reading specifically. And so as a result of that, they're probably less likely to graduate from high school or attend college. And then because of that, these same children are then less likely to earn high paying jobs, which means that they are more likely to have an ongoing health problem like heart disease, diabetes, and even depression. And so, right, we know that by finding ways to help kids do well in school and attend college, then they are going to have a better outcome in terms of long-term health benefits. And so it's really all about access to quality education can help you live longer and help you have a healthier life. So if we can find ways to increase opportunities for education and ways to help children do well in school, then we are going to impact their lifelong health benefits. So what are some ways that we can do that? Right. So we need more interventions to help children and teens do well in school, like enhancing reading skills, making sure that kids are developmentally ready for school. So promoting even high quality early education programs can increase and prevent people dropping out of school or not finishing school. So really focusing on that. 
And then again, I'm just going to lead us right into it. So kind of wrap up education and we'll go right into the other social determinants of health, which is access to quality health care. So this is just as it sounds, right? This domain of the social determinants of health refers to access to health care. So that includes your primary care. So who you would go, your physician, as well as health literacy. So can you understand what your doctor is telling you? But the first thing is, do you have access to a doctor? So many people can't get timely, high quality health care. So it's again, one in 10 Americans do not have health insurance. And these people are then less likely to have a primary care provider. They may not be able to afford the service of even going and having a doctor's visit. Mm-hmm. But then on top of that, if they are prescribed a medication, most likely they can't afford it. So this also means that they're missing out on preventative care as well as treatment for chronic conditions. So some of this may be due to education, right? Not knowing about something or not believing that they need care, but then it also may be due to geographic location and there just might not be access to a provider that they can get to quickly. I know yesterday I was talking to an agent who lives in a rural county and she said that she had just gotten notice that it was time for her annual checkup and she called to make the appointment and they didn't have any available appointments until three months out. She said, I don't know if it's that we just don't have access or that everybody is going to the doctor right now. And so, you know, that's a real concern. You know, if you need to make an appointment, it's time now for your annual checkup and now it's three months out then your annual checkup becomes a 15 months checkup, right? (laughs) I guess we we need to really um, increase the access to comprehensive high quality healthcare services, don't we? So is there a way that we can do that? Yeah, I think a lot of it, just like you said, is communication and increasing access. So even things like I know, I think it's primarily with dentists, but they always tend to send that postcard in the mail <laughs> saying that it's about time you need to schedule your appointment. And they usually do it months in advance because the dentist is always backed up. Right. So even the dentist, that's important to have that annual visit as well as your primary care. So again, having those interventions set up that prompt you to schedule an appointment and then trying to increase access. And then even now, because we're dealing with COVID still, a lot of things that have come from healthcare, I think will be here to stay in terms of telehealth and just how easy it can be just to access and have a a conversation, answer a few questions and see if you need to come in person. But for people who live in more rural settings, that telehealth service can be really helpful as long as they can get on Wi-Fi or maybe it's just a phone call to answer questions. So doing that is really important as well. So we'll just move right from healthcare, right? We're talking about rural communities into neighborhood and built environment. So this is a big social determinants of health. It's actually one of my favorite domains to talk about. And a little preview, we'll do another podcast on the built environment because yeah, I can go into full detail about this. But this is because truly one of my favorites because the neighborhood, right? The actual place where you live has a huge impact on your overall health and well-being. So just think about it, right? If you don't live in a safe place, what does that do to your quality of life? If you don't have access to a sidewalk, are you going to play or exercise or walk outside as someone who does have sidewalks? And then if you can't get healthy food, 
what are you going to eat? Right. You got to get, you got to eat. So you got to get what you can. So truly your neighborhood and your built environment just shapes your choices and your lifestyle behaviors. Even if you don't think that it's influencing you, it is. So your zip code matters. Environmental conditions matter. A lot of people, you may hear this, your zip code is your death code. So epidemiologists can tell you, so people who study disease can tell you based on your zip code, what your life expectancy is. And so truly, right, your neighborhood and your built environment matters. Many people across the U.S. live in places that are violent or unsafe, even having unclean water or air pollution or other health and safety risks can impact how you live, right? So certain racial and ethnic minorities, even based on income, often live in higher risk areas. So in turn, they're more likely to be exposed even at work to things that are harmful to our health, like smoking, pollution, or loud noises. So how can we create safer neighborhoods? Great question. A lot of what we can do to help build our environment and our neighborhoods and our communities truly comes from change at the local, state, and federal level. So for example, if we can create green space, which could include parks and recreation areas, or even sidewalks, people are more likely to ride a bike, to walk, to be active, and to play outside, families and adults um, included. So really important to focus on that and to get involved with your local community and your local government as well to make these changes. I know at the end of my street, we live in a neighborhood that has one way in and all of the streets end in cul-de-sacs. And at the end of each street, there's a great big field. And it's been a field that's been there. We've been here 20 years. It's been there 20 years. And and all of the children have played in that great big field. And this summer, that field sold. And we've all been panicked. What's going to happen? You know, are they going to build another neighborhood over there? You know, all of a sudden, are we not going to have cul-de-sacs at the end of the streets? Are we going to have throughways? And so all the neighbors are like, why did we not buy that field and turn it into a park? We've been to the county planning and zoning, and, and hopefully it's nothing's going to happen there right now. Um, and if the people who bought it find that it can't be developed, maybe they'll sell it to us and we'll turn it into a park. You know, it's really important to be involved in what's going on in your neighborhood, isn't it? Yeah, and that's a that's just a great, great example of just how precious green space is and how we don't even think about it until it's gone or we that's don't right. have it. So, yeah, thank you for sharing that. And I guess that kind of moves us right into your next point of social and community context, doesn't it? It does. It does. Yes. Perfect segue into that last domain of the social determinants of health, which is social and community context. So like all the different levels, right, we've talked about social support systems and community is the level of civic participation. And so this is really important because it includes every person in a community and it's really important in terms of how we experience where we are and who we surround ourselves with affects our health. So meaningful connections, social relationships, and interactions play a huge, huge part in our well-being. And so it's important that we have that social support in the places, right, where we live, work, and play. And again, unsafe neighborhoods, even discrimination or not being able to afford things, plays a toll on our relationships and our community. But if we can have strong connections, then 
we're better at reducing the negative impact from some of the other domains that we've talked about, right? So when we go back to all the domains we talked about, access to quality education, access to quality healthcare, your neighborhood and your built environment, and then your social and community context. So all of these are important. Social and community context is really important who you surround yourself with and where you are. But again, right, like what happens to the child whose parent is in jail and then that child is being bullied, right? That child may lack the love and support that's necessary for proper health and well-being. And so we really need to do more of that now in our communities, that social building and supporting. Well, and I remember when we used to talk about that it takes a village to raise a child and it really does take a village. It's not just the parents. We need to all be there to help support and encourage the growth and development of our children and know that they are supported and loved and encouraged by the whole community. Exactly. No, I think that that's right. That We need to better support families, help them reduce stress and anxiety by the village, right? Coming together. And we've seen that in terms of some of our other extension programming with grandparents raising grandkids and different scenarios that are going on right now that we're seeing with different people coming in to help with a child's development. And so connecting children to positive role models, to mentors, right? Even transitioning from foster care to make sure that they have those positive skills and self-esteem. And again, just increasing positive communication with parents and guardians to help with these kids, right? Even simple things, right? I was actually meeting with some friends earlier in the summer and just talking with them that how our different families did things. So like having mealtime together and just having a dinner together can be really impactful. That can be a time to teach, to model, to listen to your kids and to talk just about how the day went. And that can help with health and well-being as well. So it doesn't need to be anything super major, but just some little things that can be a part of your family that can increase your health and well-being, such as having dinner together. That's right. Yep. Just those those times to reconnect and and know that everybody has a chance to talk, right? Exactly. So I assume that learning and talking about social determinants of health and how they affect individual and family health um, and well-being can definitely influence how you address them. Raising awareness among healthcare professionals and the general public. So just us talking and people listening to this podcast is an effective way to address the social determinants of health because it's literally just how it sounds, right? Social determinants of health. So it's not just your individual behaviors. It's what is around you, the social aspects that determine your health. So the more likely that we have people who understand that, who are able to ask questions, to communicate, whether it be with their healthcare providers or in other aspects of their lives, then that can lead to a more holistic understanding of health. So just knowing all the different layers and things that impact your health and your decisions can help you ask questions, get involved with your community, and then make those lifestyle changes to just create a healthier community and a healthier area for you and your people. Natalie, I thank you for taking the time to better explain the social determinants of health and to help us recognize that where we live, learn, work, and play really has a huge effect on our overall health and well-being. Yeah, thanks for having me. 
We are going to talk more about the built environment on another podcast, and I look forward to that conversation. To our listeners, if you are just joining us, you are listening to Talking Facts, and we are available on all major podcast providers. Thank you for listening to Talking Facts. We deliver programs focusing on nutrition, health, resource management, family development, and civic engagement. If you enjoyed today's podcast, have a question or a show topic idea, leave a like and a comment on Facebook at UKFCSEXT or send us an email at UKFCSEXT at UKY.edu. Visit us online at fcs.uky.edu to learn more about the University of Kentucky Family and Consumer Sciences Extension Program or contact your local extension agent for family and consumer sciences. We build strong families. We build Kentucky. It starts with us.